feeling Holy Spirit in the house. Mm. It's good. You know who else is in the house? Sophia is. Our new children's minister. Yeah. So glad you're here. Um, by the way, uh, probably in the next week or so, we're going to do a meet and greet. Um, if you haven't talked to her yet, you should probably do that today, but um, we're going to do kind of a meet and greet uh, sometime next weekend. I'll wait for some details. Uh, there will be food because we are good Wesleyan Arminians, and that means you have to have food. That's when all the belly Christians show up whenever you have a eating meeting, right? So we're going to do one of those. Uh, so watch for some details that will be coming out this week uh, as we kind of work those, those things out and probably do it at Thrive Space because it's just too bloody hot to be anywhere else. You know what I mean? Oh, my goodness. So, um, so we'll do that. So watch for details that's coming up. Okay, I'm continuing my summer series um, learning from the life of King David in Second Samuel. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, you might want to jump to Second Samuel. I'm going to be in chapter 5 of, again for those of you who like to plan ahead. Um, let me do a quick recap, just you know, historically speaking, where we are in the storyline. But um, David has become king, finally. You remember last summer we talked about all of the stuff that he had to go through in order to... Um, Uh, eventually become king, but David's fought a civil war, and he's won it, and he uh, is king over a united Israel. He has also conquered Jerusalem and made it his capital. So we've got this historical moment where David has come to power, and he has consolidated his power from a political standpoint, and it has been an eventful period of time, to say the least. And now as we enter the story, something else has, has occurred. Um, a foreign invader, um, the Philistines, are now marching on his border. And um, it's from the west, coming to the east, so from the coastline of Israel, if you know your geography, up until the hill country, and they come calling. And they're the type of callers that you don't really want to have, and we're not talking about just solicitors at your door, okay? So they, they are looking for something very specific. And so let's, let's read the story I'm going to make some comments as we go along, and then I want to offer a thought, all right? So that's where we're going today. So let's start with 2 Samuel chapter 5. We're in verse 17. Um, you will, well, this will seem familiar to you because we talked about some of this last week. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force, which is an interesting little side note, went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it and went down to the stronghold. Okay. So let's pause right there. Frankly, this is a brilliant move on the part of the Philistines because the best time to uh, cause problems for a foreign entity, a foreign um, country, is when there has been a transition of power. It is, it is a perfect time to attack. It's when, when you have command and control at the weakest point and you have questionable morale among the troops. Okay, So just from a practical standpoint, This is a great time for the Philistines to show up. Not so good if you're Israel, okay? So keep keep that in mind. Moving on to verse 18 and 19. Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? And the Lord answered him, Go, for I will surely deliver the Philistines into your hands. Now, those of you who were here last week, you remember uh, that we talked about this at length. And, and, I, and I, I, think this, I don't think we can talk about this stuff enough. I think this is really important. Because the, the real key here is that phrase, and David inquired of the Lord. 
And the big takeaway from last week was simply this, that praying about something is not the same thing as inquiring of the Lord. Those are two very different ideas. Now, they're both important, but they're very different. So inquiry is not the same thing as praying about. And very often what we'll do is when we're talking to someone, it's like, well, I'll pray about that for you. There's nothing wrong with that. You should do that. You should be praying for one another. But it's very different when you inquire of the Lord. And the, 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 the difference is not subtle, at least I don't think so. So most often we pray about things means that we're making a request. And, and this makes perfect sense. I mean, even um, uh, you know, Paul tells us uh, in, in his letter to the Philippians that we are supposed to, by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, make our requests known for God. But let's keep this in perspective. That when, when we pray about something, we're making a request. We are asking God to do something. And think about your prayers. Very often we do this. I, mean, I do this all the time. I pray that he would protect my kids and my wife. I, I pray that you know, God would protect my church family. Now we pray for things and we ask God to do something. That is a request. We are asking him to do something. There's nothing wrong with that. We make requests. But David's inquiry is different. Notice what he says in, in, in this passage. Shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? This is a very different perspective. This isn't the same thing as making a request. Rather, uh, David is the actor. God is not the actor. David is the actor. And he's looking for specific direction and confirmation. Shall I go do this? Now think about this from a practical standpoint. He's got a number of options available to him. The Philistines are after him specifically. And there's some reasons for that if you read the history. Most notably, he knocked off a a giant named Goliath, who happened to be a Philistine, right? So they are are after him. And so he's got a couple of, of choices. Well, one, and probably not the great option, is he could run away. He can't do that now. He's the king. He could sit and wait for the enemy to come to him. He could do that, or he can go out and meet the enemy, which is what he determined was probably the wisest course of action at that moment in time. He's a great military commander. But he also understands that he's under God's authority. He says, shall I go and attack the Philistines, and will you deliver them into my hands? Do you see the difference? It's not God as the actor here. It is David as the actor partnering with God. So we've got a little bit of of both that are going on here. And he also asked that second question. Not just shall I go and attack the Philistines, but also will you deliver them into my hands? That's pretty important. Would you agree? I mean, we want to know that part. We want to make sure that there's going to be some success or some victory here. The second question sharpens the first. And oftentimes, I know just in my own journaling, in my own discipleship, the truth of the matter is, is that the second and third question are where I find the richness of God. Because I think what happens for a lot of us is that when we're we're talking with God, whether we're praying or journaling or however you choose to do that, we get, uh, uh, we ask him a question, we may get some type of an answer, and we're off and running. But usually speaking, when God, when God is talking with us, it's an invitation to a much longer, much larger, much broader, much richer, much deeper conversation with him. So don't discount the second and third question, and clearly we see that it's a rather important one when, when, uh, when David is inquiring of the Lord. 
Now notice too, um, there was this little section here, and the Lord answered. I gotta tell you, um, I love when that happens, when the Lord answers. But you have to understand the context. The Lord answered based on years of relationship that he had with David. Remember, David is named man after God's own heart, right? Now, quick little note, and I've talked about this before, but that term, a man after God's own heart, is an idiom that we find throughout the ancient Near East. And it essentially means that he's loyal. David is loyal to God. But that loyalty comes from somewhere. It comes from relationship. It just didn't happen overnight, okay? And so we saw some of how that loyalty um, developed over a period of time uh, when we look at all of the stuff that happened pre-King David. And the other thing that I want to mention here is that when you have a relationship with God and you're, you're truly chasing after his presence, to hear the Lord answer is normal. That's normal. And we see this throughout the book of Acts as well. God wants to be in relationship with you like that. He wants to answer you. And I think what often happens with us is that, you know, we... <laughs> We get into this position, and I understand it because I've been there myself. I'm probably there more often than I care to admit. But is that, is that the Lord really speaking to me? Or is that just my voice? Am I just asking, asking for something, and I'm hearing God say something because that's what I want to hear? I mean, I, I understand that. But as you learn God's voice, as you learn to take those steps with him, believe it or not, you will be able to discern that. There are some things that you can go, oh, no, that's just my thought. I know that. And there are other times where you hear the Lord um, very clearly. And if you're, if you're struggling with that, that's okay. That's a normal part of the development process. And as you're listening to the Lord, here's the thing. You can always ask the Lord to confirm or deny what, what you think he might be speaking to you. Hey, Lord, I'm still new at this. I'm, I'm still new at this. And I, I'm not sure if this is you or me. And I'm just going to continue to ask you, you know, will you reveal this to me? And here's the thing, those of you who have had, who, uh, who have, have children, um, think about when they took their first steps, right? And it's not like when they took that first step, they fall down on the ground and you go, well, that's it. Clearly they can't walk. No, they take the first couple of steps and you're like, yay, and they're all excited about it. And they look at you and they get the big grin on their face because they're walking. And then they fall down. And I'm so glad that they learned to do that when they're young because I'm telling you, at this age and at this height, falling down hurts a lot more than it does when you're this big. I mean, the whole idea behind that, though, is, is that as a parent, we understand that when our children are learning something new, they're not going to get it right the first time. You think your Heavenly Father, who is perfect, thinks of you any less? That's just silly. That's nonsense. Your heavenly father is going, I want to have this relationship with you. You're not going to get it all right. But guess what? I got more grace than you can even imagine. And he offers that to us. So if you don't feel like you're getting it right, don't quit. Don't quit. Keep taking that step. You fall down, it's all right. He's going to be there to pick you back up. Okay. Let's look at the battle itself because this is rather interesting. So here we go. So David went to Baal Perazim. And there he defeated them. This is the Philistines. 
He said, as waters break out, the Lord has broken out against my enemies before me. So that place was called Baal Perazim. The Philistines abandoned their idols there, and David and his men carried them off. Now there's some interesting things going on here. So <clears throat> he goes to this place, and <clears throat> if remember, uh, earlier on, the Philistines came to a particular valley, Valley of Rephaim. And <clears throat> there's a hill there, they call it a mountain, but a hill, that has this name, Baal Perazim. And, and notice that, so that place was called Baal Perazim. This is an origin story, okay? If you want to know where that particular name for that particular mountain happened, this is why, right? So this is an origin story of that name. The battle takes place in a valley west of Jerusalem. By the way, this is a picture of it. Um, this is a, um, obviously a modern time uh, picture of it. Uh, and you can kind of see, I don't know which hill is, is Baal Perazim. I wasn't able to determine what direction this picture was taken from. You know, the internet's a great thing, but it's also very dangerous too. <laughs> so, um, so I have this picture, but you can kind of see what it looks like. Um, you've got this valley and you've got some high hills um, here. But there's an ancient road that passed through this valley from Jerusalem to the coast. It was a trade route. And so it was strategically very important to both Jerusalem, which now belonged to David, and the Philistines who occupied the coast. So this is a big deal, okay? So Baal Perazim, called Mount Perazim elsewhere, uh, is one, um, one of these high spots within the valley. I'm not sure which one in the picture, but you can kind of take a look at it there. But even back then, you know, armies knew the value of the high ground. You have the high ground, you, you have a distinct strategic and tactical advantage over anybody who's attacking you. And remember, this is warfare. This is real. People are going to die. Blood's going to be spilled here. Um, and note, um, back in verse 18, it says, the Philistines spread out in the valley. So David wisely takes the high ground. He goes to a mount. Okay, He goes to a particular spot. And then David talks about this idea as the waters break out. Now, you've, you've got to think about the imagery here. Because remember, David is also a poet. And so imagery is a big deal to him. And so as he's describing what's happening here, you kind of get this picture of, of what's going on. This is an arid climate. You can kind of see it here. Yeah, there's some green valley and, you know, there's some vegetation here. This is a very arid climate. So when the winter rains come... Uh, one of the things you have to be very careful of is that water rushes to the lowest point. My dad had a saying, water always wins. That's why we hire a plumber. Yes, I understand that. So when you have these valleys and you have this arid climate and it rains not often, but when it does rain, the water will often rush towards the lowest point. David's armies are at the highest point. The Philistines are at the lowest point. Guess what imagery comes to mind? This idea of water rushing down into the valley. And please understand, when, when those rains come and you're in the bottom of the valley, that is very dangerous. It's incredibly dangerous because that water just, it always wins. It always wins. And when it comes down in torrents, look out. You can be caught up in the wash. And I think this is what David has in mind. As water breaks out, or the term is breaks through, he says, the Lord has broken out, or the, bro the Lord has um, 
broken through. And so I have this image in my mind of soldiers rushing down into the battle. And David gives credit to God because he's after God's own heart. It was his soldiers that fought the battle, but he understood that it was the Lord who actually won it. Why? Lord, shall I go attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said, yes, I will surely deliver them into your hand. And so this is where he gives credit back to God, even though it was his soldiers that fought the battle. Are you tracking with me? This is loyalty. This is a person after God's own heart. This is the one who is giving credit where he believes credit is too due. But please don't misunderstand. The word that's used here for breakout or breakthrough is an incredibly violent word. This is not just, you know, I mean, this is the dike breaking, water bursting, kind of epic sort of movie magic type of thing. I mean, this is a big deal. This is a violent term that's being used here. So keep that in mind. So this place is called Baal Perazim. And here's the thing. It's it's real interesting how the author did this. He went to a place called Baal Perazim, and so it is called Baal Perazim. Well, what does Baal Perazim mean? It means the Lord breaks through. That's what it means. Now, there's a couple things that I want to show you here. Baal uh, means Lord or Master. Perazim means to break out or to break through. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) That's where, um, and and that's where the term comes from. So he sees this imagery of the Lord breaking out or breaking through, and he says, that's what we're going to call the place. He puts a stake in the ground. You know, it's kind of like when you're driving down the highway and you see those, those markers that the state put up for historical sites, that's what's going on here. The problem is they didn't have those big metal bronze things where they could etch all the, so they just named places and the stories would follow after them. But that's where, that's where it comes from, just so that we're, we're clear. Now, quick aside, it may seem strange to see the term um, ball here because um, isn't that another, another deity Later on, don't we read about Elijah um, mixing it up with the prophets of Baal? Kind of taunts them. Yeah. And so why would David use the term Baal? Because, wait, isn't he, isn't he kind of on, on, on the side of you know, God, the Judeo-Christian God that we know? And, and why, would, why would he use that term? Um, <laughs> so Baal is a Canaanite deity. You, you need to understand that. It, it's one of the deities of that particular area, although his name does appear in other parts of the ancient Near East, including Egypt, by the way. So Baal is kind of this uh, word that gets tossed around a lot in that area. And he was the god of mountains and storms and sun and a whole bunch of other things. Um, but it also had a more general meaning. It meant master or lord. And... Um, the term was used, not interchangeably, that's not right. The term was used specifically for certain things. And, and we find that actually throughout the Old Testament. So the best way that I can describe this, um, I think, is that if you think about the term that we have, God, right? So we can be referring to um, God or gods, like the gods of Mount Olympus, Right? We know that you know, in Greek mythology there are these gods and they live. And we use that term God. And it's just kind of this general term for deity. 
right? But sometimes when we pray to God, we are praying specifically to the Judeo-Christian deity. Do you understand? So the term itself can be used generally or it can be used specifically. So think of it that way. So don't get all, you know, weirded out that David used the term Bel and he was, you know, trying to deal with a Canaanite deity. That's not it. He is talking about the Lord, the master. Uh, almost, almost like, if, if I can translate it this way, is the master of the breakthrough. That's good, isn't it? I mean, you just kind of, yeah. That's, a, that's the... That's the kind of God I want to serve right there, you know, that sort of thing. So think of it in, in terms of Baal as, as a general term, not just um, specifically to a, uh, a Canaanite deity. Uh, it has, uh, the word has a little more function than that. So um, Baal seems to have that similar function as our term God, okay? So finally, um, we read the Philistines <laughs> abandoned their idols there, and David and his men carried them off. Oh, this is a little weird, isn't it? Like, what, what's going on here? Okay, so think about this from the standpoint, if, you, if you're an army, you want your deity to bless you for victory, right? So if you're uh, um, of the pagan variety, you're going to bring your pagan idols with you, kind of a thing. And so they would do that. They would bring their idols, their deities, to the battlefront. <coughs> it's amazing to me what we really want the divine to bless from time to time. Anyway, um, think, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> think about this kind of the way that you would a flag or a battle standard. Um, it, it was this thing that you brought along to rally the troops behind. You know, our God Dagon is the greatest. And so they followed Dagon into battle. By the way, Dagon was the main god of the Philistines. And so the Philistines were beaten so soundly that they left in a hurry and they left the battle standard, they left their idols on the field. I, I mean, this is a commentary on how badly they got whooped. Bottom line. So it's not just that they defeated them, they beat them so badly that they had to leave their idols on the battlefield. You typically would not want to do that. And so David and his men carried them off. Um, usually what would happen um, within the ancient Near East, you would have armies that would fight, and the one that was defeated, <coughs> their idols would be taken and put in front of the god of the victorious army because this one was greater, and so they their gods are clearly less than ours. They're inferior, and so they're subject to our God. And, and so David and his men carried them off. doesn't say where he put them, though, which I think is really interesting. Um, they may have been made of metal. They may have been made of wood. They may have been made of, uh, who knows? The, the text is unclear. All we know is that the master of the breakthrough, the lord of the breakthrough, was victorious, and the idols of the Philistines were left on the field to be plundered. Interesting, right? It's a little detail that has a whole lot of, of meaning to it. Um, and by the way, this was probably an insult. So we gave him injury. Now we're adding insult to the injury, most likely. So uh, as I was prepping last week's message, I had this nagging thought. You ever have one of those ideas where you're doing something and this thought enters your head and it just stays there 
kind of like certain songs will do that to you. Just get that song stuck in your head. 99 bottles of beer on the wall. You're welcome. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But sometimes you'll have that thought. And, and I was prepping through this message and um, really wanted to talk about this idea of um, inquiring of the Lord last week. But I kept thinking about this Valparazim, the Lord breaks through. And I, I, I kept thinking about that over and over again, almost like it took resonance up in my head, and I finally realized, oh, the Lord's speaking here. Um, sometimes the Lord has to repeat himself to me, much like my wife, by the way. She has to repeat herself to me. Um, but this idea had just kind of taken up residence in my, in my head, and, and here, here it is. And this is the thing, I, you know, I, I, try to, I try to give you one thing to think about every single week, and this is it. And if you've got a journal, you might want to write this one down, because I think this, this is important. He is still the Lord of breakthroughs. He is still the Lord of breakthroughs. It wasn't a one-and-done thing that happened on a mountain in ancient Israel, but rather he's still the Lord of breakthroughs. And I know that somebody needs to hear that today. I know that. In a group this size, I mean, just statistically speaking, but I just have a sense in my heart that people need to hear that he's still the Lord of breakthroughs. Look, we can open up the word and we can talk about history and we can talk about language and you know, I like doing all of that kind of stuff, but the reason why we read it in the first place is to testify to the fact that he was and is the Lord of breakthroughs. It's not just about a historical thing. It's not just about a testimony to something that he has in the past, but that he did it in the past means that he can continue to do it even to this day. He's still the Lord of the breakthroughs. Can I get an amen? Still the Lord of breakthroughs. Oh, and by the way, the one who's the Lord of breakthroughs is in the room today. He's here. He's with us right now. And I kept thinking about this because I know that a lot of us need different types of breakthroughs. And, and <laughs> you know, I'm watching the news too, like everybody else. But for a lot of people, it might be a financial breakthrough. You know, Miss Kay was praying about this earlier. It, it may be a health breakthrough. Those two are the big ones, financial and health. They need those kinds of breakthroughs. And, and, and I know there are lots of um, churches who talk about, you know, those, those types of things. But you know what? Sometimes we need a relational breakthrough. We got something going on with somebody in our lives and there's conflict or there's worry or there's concern or there's that kind of thing. We need a breakthrough for that as well. Lord, what do I do? How do I handle this? Where are we going here? What are you trying to do? What are you trying to teach me? I need a breakthrough to understand those kinds of things. Relational breakthrough. And I was thinking about this a little bit more because Paul writes to the Corinthians, for we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. We're just talking about battle. But as a Christian, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We need that type of breakthrough. And there are strongholds all over the place. And you know what? I'm tired of them. I'm tired of fear. I'm tired of worry. I'm tired of concern. I'm tired of all of those things. And I just see that you know, we need the Lord to be the Lord of breakthroughs again. And as I was prepping this over the last couple of days, it struck me. <laughs> the vast majority of us here at Thrive Church, the one breakthrough that we need is we need the breakthrough to hear the voice of God. <laughs> 
Because that's what we're talking about, ultimately speaking, is if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, our definition is very simple. We listen and we respond to God. I was having this conversation with a pastor the other day, and he says, you know, the best way to love God is to obey him. And I said, yes, that's true, but it's really hard to obey if you can't hear him. So what's more important? At this point, it's listening. And I know there are people in this church, you've been trying to listen to God. I mean, we've been talking about this for a couple of years. We're chasing after the presence of God. We want to be in conversation with him, and we still have these questions about, okay, is it my voice or is it the Lord's voice? I understand that. I'm still there. You know what? You need a breakthrough. You need a breakthrough in that moment to tell you the voice of the Lord is speaking to you. And when you open up the word of God and in those certain words will jump out of the page at you and you're just wondering, I wonder what this is all about. It's the Lord speaking to you. Or you're having a conversation with your friend and they've got the right word at the right time, just exactly what you need to hear, the way you need to hear it. That's the voice of the Lord speaking to you. And some of you heard me say this. For me, that often sounds like Lisa Trelore. She's really good at that. And my daughter's too. And I have to acknowledge those moments when I'm like, Lord, I'm, we have this uh, uh, pastor's group. And when we're talking to one another and um, we feel like the Lord is speaking to us, one of the first things we say is, I receive that. Sometimes I need to receive that word that I hear. But I can give you all of those ideas and all of those tips, and I can give you, you know, things to think about and skills, but ultimately speaking, I just want you to talk to him. I just want you to hear what he has to say, because I, I can't give you all of those things. And every time that the Lord speaks, it's bespoke, it's couture, it is tailored exactly for you. Because his Holy Spirit knows you. He's the one who put you together. He's going to speak your language in a way that you'll understand. And that's what I want for all of us. And my, my sense is we need a breakthrough. We need to break through this idea. The idea, number one, that God doesn't speak. Nonsense. There is nothing in the word that says that he doesn't still speak today. And anybody who believes that, I'm just going to tell you up front, that is a lie from the pit of hell. You don't need to listen to that at all. Rather, you need to listen to that still, small voice that's speaking directly to you because he wants that. I believe that. Why? Because he's good. He's so good. And he's interested in you. And he's interested in your part in the kingdom. And he wants you to be a part of that. Well, the only way is if you can hear him. So we need a breakthrough to be able to hear the voice of God, to hear what he's saying specifically to me. And the thing of it is, and I, I, I'm just going to confess to you, when I first started doing this, you know what my biggest fear was? That the Lord was going to call me out on some stuff. I'm just going to be honest, because I got junk too. And my biggest fear was that I was going to be alone with God, and he was going to point out stuff I'm ashamed of. But he didn't. You know what he told me? He said, you're my son. Okay. That's it. That's who you are. That stuff that you're not proud of, I know it's there. But that's not what I'm seeing in you. 
because he has adopted us as sons and daughters, when you choose to follow Jesus, your identity changes. You are not the junk of your past. You are the living relative of the living God. That's who you are. Why wouldn't he want to talk to you? That's reality. That's identity. That's who you actually are. And that's why we get to be the family of God because we are all brothers and sisters because we're all sons and daughters. In the church of God, we have this, this thing called, you know, we call each other brother and sister. At least some of the old school pastors. I remember when I first became a, a church of God pastor, I'd be called Brother David, and I'm like, <clears throat> don't bro me if you don't know me. Mm-mm. <laughs> don't do that. But I realize now that there's a reason for it. It's because if we're sons and daughters, that means we're brothers and sisters. That's huge. And that's the message. That's the breakthrough in my mind is that you've got to understand that the one who is the Lord of the breakthrough is calling to you to be in that type of relationship moment by moment, day by day, week after week. That's the kind of God he actually is. And so what I want to do today is that I want to pray for you. And I want to pray for breakthrough. Because my guess is that some of you want that breakthrough. And so I'm going to ask you to do something. I don't normally ask people to do anything, but I promise I won't embarrass you. I promise you I won't embarrass you. And so what I really want you to do is I want everybody to close your eyes and bow your heads. I want you to do this. If you're watching online, you can do this too. And I want you to do this. And I want you to be honest with yourself. And I want you to be honest with God. If you want to hear the voice of the Lord, maybe you're struggling to do that. I want you to raise your hand. Just just real, gotcha, 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 gotcha. You want to hear the voice of the Lord. Maybe you've heard the voice in the past, but for whatever reason, he's been so quiet, and and you want to hear him again. If that's you, go ahead, raise your hand. Yep, got you, got you, yeah. Lord Jesus, these are your kids. They want to hear you. God, I don't know what's happening internally with their heart that may be blocking, that may be impeding them, that may be some type of an obstacle. I don't know what that is, but I trust that you do and that you would be, again, the Lord of the breakthrough. That you would break through whatever it is that's keeping them from hearing your voice and and the blessing that that really is and the relationship that that actually creates with with you on a daily type of basis. Lord, that there'd be this strong desire because they've heard your voice. Oh, they want to hear it again. They want to know what you have to say about the things that are going on in their lives because you're good. You're a good father and and (laughs) you don't, You don't get angry when we fall down. You're there to help us stand back up and to continue walking. 
And say, Lord, I pray for breakthrough for every person who raised their hand. In Jesus' name. And right now, the Holy Spirit is going to be active. Um, and he might be um, saying something to you that you're, you're going to kind of wonder about. I, I just, I I just want to encourage you. Whatever he's saying, trust him. And if you're still in that position where like, I don't know if this is God or if this is me, here's the thing. Write it down somewhere. I don't care where you do it. Just write it down. Write it on your hand, whatever. Write it down and ask the Lord, would you confirm or deny this? I, I just want to know what you have in mind. I think the Lord wants to break through because I know God wants to have this. This message came a week early. I know that this is something the Lord put out there for Thrive Church because he wants to again show that he is the Lord of the breakthrough. And that's not just generally, that's specific for you, wherever you're at. God, I trust you that you've got the right word for this group of people, that you know exactly what it is that they need to hear from you and what you have in mind for them, and the relationship that you want to build with them. Because Thrive Church is your church. Those of us who serve on staff are simply your associates. You get to lead, you get to decide, and you want to speak to your people, even now. And Lord, we just invite you to come and to speak to us any way that you want to. Holy Spirit, this is your, your house. I know you're in the room. I'm so glad that you are. You are here in this place, and so you have free reign to speak, to do, to act in any way that you see fit. And once again, we just submit ourselves to your lordship and ask you to speak to us in the ways that we need to hear. We trust you with that. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.